Lost World Minute. A minute by minute podcast with the 1997 sequel Jurassic Park, one minute at a time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And today we're here to discuss Minute 52 of The Lost World. And I'm sore. There's one thing worse than moving yourself. It's helping a friend move. And uh, <laughs> especially when that friend has double door fridges and freezers and oh, washing machines. Man. and. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I'm 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 glad I can sit here and just use my one hand and a mouse to click down the run sheet because uh, I'm stiff and sore and it hurts. Yeah. Last uh, last Friday, or no, yeah, last Friday I uh, was at work and they had me replenishing, they had me restocking shelves. Yep. And so in the back there's a set of stairs I must have went up and down at least 50 times. Oh wow. So. Uh, I, I was getting in my I was getting in like probably if I owned a Fitbit I would have gotten like twenty thousand steps. <laughs> and then yesterday I walked all around the city zoo, so. Yep. And they had this uh, animatronic dinosaur exhibit they had going on. And it was like it really really ripped off Jurassic Park a lot. They had the exact sounds. The T Rex looked exactly like it was from Jurassic Park. They had a raptor. The, the Utah raptor animatronic looked exactly like the uh, exactly like the Jurassic Park three male raptors. <laughs> sans the quills. Oh wow! Yeah, plagiarism is alive and <laughs> living <laughs> in rural America. And it's not even rural. This is Chicago. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. Oh, yeah, they say uh, they say plagiarism is the best form of, uh, or they say copying is the best form of flattery. So yeah, yep, <laughs> yep. Well, that, then I suppose if they if they're really faithful to the original designs, and hey, you can get a photo. And... Well, it wasn't the T Rex wasn't super faithful. The Raptors were yeah. very much so. They, you could you could see that they. Had they painted them exactly like sandwich and Sue's would have with a yellow base paint and then throwing a brown paint over it. <laughs> Just they wouldn't have moved as well. <laughs> Dinosaurs <laughs> on a budget. Yeah, budget Jurassic Park. <laughs> that would be the uh, the Bison Park, wouldn't it? Yeah, really. <laughs> it says Injun on the on the side of that chopper. I don't get that. Why? Why would? Said two teams. Friday in the mail, I also got an Equity Toys uh, T-Rex statue. I I have the Raptor one from the Lost World that I bought at Comic Con, and I've been wanting the T-Rex one ever since I found out that they made a T-Rex one too. Problem was, I paid two dollars for the Raptor one at Comic Con, and well, they usually go on eBay for like twenty twenty five bucks, which I was not paying. For this little for this little statue that's only about uh, I would you say twelve inches long. Yeah. And so, a friend of mine, Rob Miranda, he's a big time Jurassic Park collector, and he makes models and stuff. Tipped me off to uh, an eBay sale that was one for only like twelve bucks and it was perfect, you know. Mhm. So. That's I, good. Another another item to add to my Lost World collection. Yeah. No, it's good when you can sort of find little deals like that mm-hmm. on figures. Robert Burke said that the T-Rex was a rogue who would abandon its young at the earliest opportunity. I know I can prove otherwise. Quickly, too, that's one bit of news that's happened this last 
week, uh, Colin Trevorrow's off uh, episode nine. Yeah, this this uh, been causing a big stir in both the Jurassic Park and the Star Wars fandoms. Some people are a lot of people in Star Wars are glad that they didn't that they uh, that Kathleen Kennedy didn't uh, have him stay on the project. A lot of people in Star Wars or Jurassic Park are disappointed, and a lot of people both together. It's just a big uh, bucket of mixed feelings about this. I know there's a lot of Star Wars fans. I'm a big Star Wars fan myself. Are happy that he's gone just because they found uh, Jurassic World. Some it was only kind of mediocre. They didn't think it was as as great as it, as a lot of Jurassic Park fans do, and so they're. I think that safety not or not safety not guaranteed. Um, Book of Henry was a big influence in the decision there, because I mean I I know a lot of people who thought that that movie was just tasteless in a lot of ways. Yeah, and it's sort of it's one of those things where he's gone and he's done a big box office film and it's um, made a lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. And then they've signed him on to other projects. He's gone and done his own little independent thing before. Uh, ramping up on episode 9 and it hasn't done that well now it's success or failure shouldn't really be um, much of a sign because you've got you've got higher ups at um, Lucasfilm that are sort of steering the ship um, I know one of the one of the sort of complaints about uh, Jurassic World from the uh, Star Wars fans I suppose is uh, just there's not really anything Star Wars in Jurassic Park to uh, gauge how good he'd be at making the film. Now that's where I kind of disagree with because, I mean, the official story of why he was fired was because he was getting arrogant and not following directions. And I think I don't trust that story because now I personally always found him to be genuine, but he's still kind of a bit of a, I've always gotten this kind of tone from him where he seems to be like an anti-establishment hipster kind of guy. Mm. I'd say that's bad, but I mean, the Star Wars he was always based on the anti-establishment. Yeah. And that's why I thought it was would be perfect for he was perfect for Star Wars was because Star Wars has always been anti-establishment. It's always been screw the man, fight the power, stuff like that, you know? Mm. And so Kathleen Kennedy has always been kind of the epitome of establishment in Hollywood so it's I I'm not sure she's always been I've always been unsure she was the best choice for this for heading Lucasfilm and that's not just that's the my biases of her and her involvement with Jurassic Park 3 doesn't even come into that oh mine do (laughs) I don't think (laughs) I don't think she's changed one bit since Jurassic Park 3 I've made my my uh dislikes pretty much uh, public on various groups that uh, you want a, you want a uh, finger or someone to point at for Jurassic Park 3, she's the one, and she's come back and she's done exactly the same thing with uh, Rogue One, but um, it's just, yeah, we got, this is the second director now gone, we had the issue with the Han Solo um, mm-hmm. film as well, where it's being quoted as uh, creation, creational differences or whatever you want to uh, say it, Um but the, the... Well, that one, I, I definitely sided with Kathleen Kennedy on that one because she hired, or, I mean, I would point the finger to her in the first place because she's the one that would have hired these two comedy directors and then expect them not to make a comedy. You yeah, know? yeah, 
Yeah, well, they want you'd know you want a uh, sort of a, a comedic writer to go over the script to enter or put jokes or sort of stuff in where needed. You don't want an actual comedy for the film. Mm-hmm. Um, you just want comedic beats in it. But being Han Solo, too, you'd want a lot of physical com- comedy, like. Uh, oh no, I'm thinking of Indiana Jones where he <laughs> runs into a cave and ro- yells at someone and turns around and a hundred people come running back at him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's sort of it's interesting too because production was supposed to start on episode nine in in January, I think. So um, yeah. a little well, bit behind. Well, they got uh, J.J. Abrams back on it. He he did number he did number seven and now he's doing nine. He's gonna finish off the trilogy. I love how there's a there's a collective sigh of relief and people and fans are just sort of coming back to the 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 uh the backstop for episode seven. Oh well, at least it was nostalgic. I <laughs> go <laughs> <laughs> well, no. If... Uh, so was Jurassic World. Uh, Jurassic World was very nostalgic. I know, and that's that's kind of my problem with both Jurassic World and uh, the Force Awakens is that they're very safe films. Jurassic World in particular is yeah. is basically the CEO shows up to the island, Big Bag Therapod breaks out of the enclosure, attacks main tour vehicle, stranding stranding two children out in the middle of the jungle, making them hike their way back to the main compound, and and the ending involves raptors and a T Rex. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's stuck. They're stuck on an island. It's very formulaic, and I think that the parts where um, Jurassic World breaks the formula are its best parts. Like for example, the lack of a rain scene was bold and it worked for the movie. Mm. The lack of or the uh, Irex attack in the daylight was bold and it worked for the movie. You yeah. know. Yep. And so it was where it broke the mold that I thought was the best, better parts of the movie. And so I can, I can, but I can really see why Trevor wants to get away from the islands in the next couple movies. It's it's been done. Well, yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. And as big a fan of the islands as I am, um, we can move off to another location um, and see where we go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, that's the same. That's the same issue with sort of episode seven as well. Just hey, the formula worked. They made a lot of money. We can't <laughs> we can't really sit here and say well they weren't good films because they didn't make money, but being a Transformers fan, the films don't have to be good to make money. Yeah. <laughs> but that's another thing is that Crichton always kind of had this thing where the dinosaurs got to the mainland, and there was always a subplot to the movie, to the books that he wrote. But he, it's like the stories that he wanted to tell never quite could have the dinosaurs on the mainland, you know? Mm. It, it was in Jurassic Park, and it was in The Lost World. And so Dinosaurs on the Mainland was really something that would have been cool that I think Crichton would have wanted, but just could never find a story to tell it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if there might have been a third a third novel eventually that, um, that went into it. But I, I doubt it, because Crichton didn't write sequels, really. Yeah. He only wrote The Lost World because uh, fans in Spielberg really begged him to. Yeah, well, that's, that's a good point. He wrote that, then... As a uh, as a novel writer, especially being asked by Spielberg to do that, then to change it as much as they did, I probably wouldn't have been very mm-hmm. happy about it. But 
but yeah, even in Jurassic Park, where the animals are getting off the mainland, it's, it's only to Costa Rica. It's not New York City or anything like that. And it's sort of you or could San still, Diego. yeah, yeah, or you could still film in Hawaii um, and make it and have it Costa Rica. Hell, we've seen the the Nedry and Dogson scene at the starts on Hawaii as well, and not Costa Rica. Yeah, you could, yeah. You could make anywhere look anywhere on film. Mm-hmm. Even the uh, the old Six Flags in Orlando to make it look like Main Street and that and just CG yeah. in the background so mm-hmm. so yeah it, it, you could do something like that and still be in the jungle but not on the island but then you've still got the same well it might not be the island it's still dinosaurs or people running from dinosaurs in the jungle so I hope it plays something you know, I don't we've sort of seen with the raptors out in the open in their pen the CG's not quite there yet to have yeah. sort of have a pack of raptors well maybe not in the redwoods but just in an open area, open an open prairie or something, hunting down a, a pack of trice, uh, a herd of triceratops or something. It's just we're not mm-hmm. there yet. Well, as I was telling a friend of mine the other day, with CGI, the it, yeah, I always thought that the frame CGI was superior to what they do now. The where they build the skeleton, overlay muscle, and then skin, and then color it. I always thought that the frame that they used in the first two movies here was uh, superior. It, it kind of added this kind of weightiness to it. I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure how to explain it. I'm not a computer guy. Yeah. But it was... I always felt it was superior, and it's just not there organically anymore right now. Yeah. It's just... Uh, what they use right now is still kind of newish. It's only a couple years old. And so I, I don't think that it's there where you can build an organic... Uh, you can build an organic creature just from the ground up. Now, that's not to say that you can't do the same with uh, motion capture. Motion capture has been been done since the early 2000s, and it's beautiful. It really does well. The Planet of the Apes looks fantastic. Mm -hmm. The um, Tarkin CGI in Rogue One looks fantastic. Ooh, we're gonna we're gonna no? disagree on that one. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah, it's fine until he speaks. But okay. <laughs> but I uh, yeah. But it looks fantastic. Is my is the point is that motion capture? It's it's they got it. They got it perfect right now. But the frame, but the uh, ground up full CGI from a skeleton just isn't there. It is there for non-organic objects like say star destroyers and starships and all that kind of stuff, but if you want to make a CGI creature, a, I don't know. Oh, yeah, like, the CG, CG's there for ships and vehicles, like, they, those mm-hmm. those Star Destroyers in Rogue One looking like they're put together with model kits, just like the originals yeah. was fantastic, but um, with the motion capture, that's sort of more uh, people or apes, where you're sort of humanoid. Um, mm-hmm. I'd... I'd haven't looked into it, but I'd assume that uh, a bipedal theropod doesn't have the same hip movement as a person bent over going rah <laughs> that does the impersonation mm-hmm. of a dinosaur, so you're going to have a little bit of an issue there, but um, I mean, maybe it's oh, just really? the um, maybe it's just the skins and the, the rendering that's... Okay. Well, it really doesn't, but that's another thing is that they did use some motion capture for the dinos- for the raptors yeah, yeah. in Jurassic World, and it just, I don't know, something about... It's it looks too humanoid. You're right. It does have that kind of humanoid structure to it, 
and reptile or raptors are reptiles they don't have that kind of basic structure as a humanoid at all yeah you know i suppose it doesn't help also having that uh image of four dancers in gray spandex and a little raptor head on their top <laughs> <laughs> looking up at owen in the mouse little rat. <laughs> I can't, I can't get that out of my head. Now, yeah, whenever I see that scene, I just see the four dancers. I don't see the raptor pack. Yeah. All right. Hey, we got an episode to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into minute fifty-two, briefly, I think a couple of episodes or a couple of minutes ago, David, you discussed the runtime and how many episodes it'd be. I said two hundred and eight minutes. It's not two hundred eight minutes. It's two hours and eight minutes. <laughs> Yeah, so, that's what you meant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. we're, we're not going to be here for another 150 minutes. <laughs> um, so, well, I was trying to do the math in my head. I mean, so two hours would be 120 minutes, so that'd be like, what, 129 minutes? Yeah, 128, 129, I think so. We're, uh, we're slowly, slowly reaching that halfway point. Mm-hmm. Um, which, in a game, we've got the big... The big uh, trailer sequence coming up which is the main action sequence in the middle of the film so Mm -hmm. um but yeah let's get into it with 52 alright as we entered minute 51 of the lost world something very large was moving through the foliage below the high hide as we open minute 52 the large creature continues to push through the foliage past the high hide and towards the trailers at 51 minutes and 17 seconds, we cut to Ian Malcolm sprinting through the foliage, desperate to get back to the trailers. At 51 minutes and 32 seconds, Malcolm throws open the door of the trailer and runs inside, grilling Sarah and Nick about not picking up the phone. He runs over to the baby and attempts to pick it up, saying we need to get this thing out of here. At 51 minutes and 38 seconds, there's a loud crashing sound, and the freed look out the trailer window to see the M-Class Mercedes rolling past and off the cliff. Anne looks at the others. Mummy's very angry. At 51 minutes and 48, Anne starts to look out the window again to find the source of the commotion outside. Nick and Sarah follow his gaze, not noticing the large shadow appearing in the window behind them. At 51 minutes and 58 seconds, we hear a growl from the shadow. Anne spins and a Tyrannosaur head comes into focus. This ends Minute 52 of The Lost World. Alright, we open up here straight from Minute 51 with uh, something big moving through the uh, the jungle, the forest below the high hide. you got foliage or trees breaking, snapping, and I just love the effect of the birds flying out of the canopy and shrieking. Yeah, um, yeah that's something that appears in every Jurassic Park movie is these white CGI birds squawking in the background and they're in the first movie i think they appeared on the uh animal on the dress or the brachiosaurus's backs when they're moving out of the water in the first reveal shot in the welcome to Jurassic park shot Mm -hmm. then they happen here and also later on when um the t-rex parents crash the riverbed camp in the later part of the movie you can hear them squawking out of the trees you don't actually see him, but you can hear him squawking and the wings flapping. Jurassic Park 3, I think they're also on the backs of the Brachiosaurus, and they're, I think they might fly out of the trees when um, 
the Spinosaurus smack, uh, runs out of the trees and when they're chasing after the party and uh, after and, the plane crash. And they say the, the movies don't have any flow between them. <laughs> yeah, really. I can't remember where they are in Jurassic Park 3, or Jurassic World, but I, I remember somebody pointing them out that they're in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that, that's a great little great little thing to carry over, too. Yeah. Um, and it is something that's in the... Uh, the pre-San Diego script, so it was carried over from that. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not really a Spielberg thing. It's someone else someone else in production that uh, wanted to put that there. It might even be just someone mm-hmm. working in the CGI department. <laughs> no, yeah. one, no one's going to notice this. <laughs> just somebody's signature, you know? Yeah, yeah. But uh, we got them, uh, the T-Rex, or the, the big animal, we know it's a Rex, they um, sort of move under their high hide, walk straight past... Mm-hmm. I would have loved to just get a, a shot down and just like a shadowy, maybe just a hint that there's more than one. Um, yeah, that would have been interesting to see. Would be like a just like a shadowy movement of scales under the treetops. You know? Yeah, just sort of two tails disappearing out of the clearing below them or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it would have taken away from the suspense we get in a minute when they reveal themselves, but. It would have been just a little hit of be what there's more than one, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I don't. They walk right past and ignore the M class. Obviously, last time yeah. we seen it, it was down there. It had its lights on. We talked previously about the uh, high hide being painted and how the paint would have smelt. Um, I'd imagine the car would have had an odor as well. Oh, I'm, I don't doubt no. Because we get Cause... we we get later when. Uh, Eddie's trying to stop the trailer going over the cliff. The the M class is clearly uh, gas driven and not electric. So uh-huh. yeah, you hear the engine rubbing. Yeah, which might be just an issue with uh, the sound design. They might have yeah. had that there just to show um, the effort being put in to try and stop the trailer going over the cliff. But yeah, these things were supposed to be electric, but. Um, we got that we had the great scene in a novel where the T Rex sort of identifies the explorer as being something foreign, and uh, it backs up and uh, marks its territory on the hood. Which yeah, <laughs> I don't. I love that part of the novel. Yeah, I was about it. But I love it. Yeah, it's it, funny. It um, it wouldn't be right to have it here, um, but just some sort of acknowledgement. We can see the the high hide sort of jerking and jumping a little bit with each footstep as the animals, um as they sort of pass underneath. Um, yeah. There's something we didn't talk about previously as well. There's a, uh, it looks like Eddie's got a, a separate cable actually holding the high hide there and uh, it's going to be needed later on because the M-Class isn't going to be attached to it mm-hmm. uh, so he can save the day. But um, he's got the little hand winch there too, which is only good for about six feet of lift. Uh, you don't get a lot of cable on that, so... I don't know if that was just to secure it to another anchor cable. I wonder if it's uh, got like a pair of, um, or just one single cable even, just going from branch to branch and holding up the high hide. Yeah, it might be stabilizing it too so it doesn't swing in the wind. Yeah, that too. Um, yeah. As people walk around. Um, mm-hmm. it, it suggests, however, that uh, to get up there, and we've seen him lift it up before, everyone would have had to repel to get up to it. Uh, and then repel down <laughs> because if it's fixed up in the tree, it's um, yeah. the only way up is to climb up and then climb down. We don't see a ladder; it's only the sort of the repelling ropes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So that that would have been a, a little comedic scene, seeing Richard Schiff try and repel up <laughs> <laughs> to the high hide. But, mm-hmm. um, but we we get here, they walk under the hide and uh, keep on moving through the uh, forest away in the opposite direction. Uh, again, calling back to the novel, I would have loved to just see the trailers in the dark, sort of lights, uh, sort of lights of the trailers uh, reaching out into the darkness. Oh yeah, that would have been a really cool shot. Yeah, but I suppose as we uh, as we seen earlier, where they set up camp, there it's sort of they're backed up against the trees. Uh, the only way you can see the camp in the open is from the cliff edge. So mm-hmm. um, if they'd done that. You'd pr- I'd probably be complaining now that the geography's all out of whack. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we and we had that concept art. It would have been would have been great to see. But uh, this cuts to Ian running through the foliage, getting absolutely drenched. Uh, the rain stopped, but it's just good to hear all the water sort of falling off the foliage as he's running through it. Mm-hmm. It's a nice little detail. And then we cut back to uh, inside the trailer. Sarah wants to give the baby an injection and get it out of here it's uh it's ian in the pre san diego script that goes to answer the phone or answer the radio but uh sarah tells him to get the syringe um cut back to ian running through the mud i'd say sort of not delicately but carefully he's sort of running you don't want to slip over when you want to stop on mud no no i know from experience don't definitely don't want to do that um yeah, it just seems weird the way he's run, but I suppose, again, because he just hurt his leg, he'd be sort of limp running. Um, but he cuts him running into the trailer um, and would have killed you to pick it up for once in your life, referring to uh, Sarah not picking up the phone, which makes me wonder if she's never answered the phone for him that often before. We well, had... we see at the beginning of the... Uh, when when uh, Ian is in the... Eddie's shop, and he's trying to contact Sarah on her satellite phone. She does not pick it up at all. Okay, so it is a callback to that. he's not worried whatsoever. Okay, What's it, is, that? it is a callback to that scene where she's in the, uh, she's watching the hyenas and doesn't answer the phone. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so it's just something, again, that uh, probably didn't need to be, or it could have been changed since they cut that earlier stuff out. Um... Ian goes straight over and tries to pick the baby up. Uh, Sarah, no, we just fixed its broken. We just said its broken leg, and then we get a crashing sound from outside, and the free turn to face a window, mm-hmm. and uh, get one last look of the M class rolling by as it topples over the cliff. Yeah, <laughs> trouble, there's trouble. a cut line here that was featured in the trailer. Or yeah, featured in the trailer where um, Sarah says, "What is it?" and then he delivers the famous line, yep. "Mommy's very angry." Yep, which is a great, great little line. Still, only sort of luring or hinting at the one Tyrannosaur on the scene. But uh, <laughs> it's interesting too the sounds when the uh, M class goes over the cliff. It sounds like it explodes, but it could be just the sound of it hitting the surf as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it just the sound travels a little bit too easily on this island. <laughs> But uh, Ian stares out the window and antici- as anticipation grows. Um, mm-hmm. And he sort of does that Jeff Goldblum slow breathing that he uh, does in so many films. And uh, then we get a shadow appear in the window behind him, uh, out mm-hmm. of focus. 
and it growls and he sort of turns around and oh crap. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I always love that curvature we get of the jaws. It just enters the frame of the window. Yeah, yep. Yeah, we get the silhouette to start with for the shadow and then it sort of uh, comes into focus after the growl. But uh, that's for minute 53. Um, mm-hmm. It's sort of interesting too. All this happens the same in the uh, pre-San Diego script with the uh, T-Rexes emerging. But um, in that script, Nick actually gets a... Uh, he must be close to his camera bag and changes out the tape in his camera because um, it's in with arms reach and actually turns the camera on and puts it on his shoulder because it's one of those big shoulder-mounted cameras in the pre-script. Mm-hmm. So he's, he, he's not seeing the danger in this. He's... Uh, filming everything even in the next minute as the baby's released he's sort of looking for the best shot to get uh footage of uh, ian and sarah releasing the baby for the documentary mm-hmm. well as a video documentarian he would be who has been in bosnia and serbia and all those um war-torn countries there he, he would be used to running ahead head on into danger and mm. say well everybody else is running away you know well that's it yeah yep that's true, um, but it's also interesting too. It's sort of that's that's the uh, the reason once they get the footage of the T Rex being released released to the uh, parents, it's um they're all like, yep, that's it. We've we've done what we need to come here now. Let's call the call the boat and get out of here. Instead of Ian trying to get Kelly out of there, as well. And I suppose it's a sign of the times too. Like if if this was made now, there'd be. Uh, internal surveillance system in the trailer or something. Um, there'd be internal cameras anyway. So they could have got all this on, on tape anyway, or on camera. But uh, if there's anything else you want to mention about 52? No, I think we're good. Okay. Alright guys, let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website, thelostworldminute.com email feedback to the lost world minutes at gmail.com facebook the lost world minutes twitter at the lost world minutes and instagram the lost world minutes easy to remember yeah yeah very easy to remember right. <laughs> uh david thank you for joining me for this recording and uh we'll be back i've been brad i'm dave and uh we'll talk to you all later Goodbye. talk to you later bye it is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, life will find a way.